Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Jen talking about Step 10. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Jen and I'm an alcoholic and I'm gratefully sober today. So um, thanks to the previous speakers, they were great shares. Um, step 10, so for me, um, steps. Step 10 really, and it's been mentioned uh, earlier as well, that Step 10 really captures, um, you know, from 1 to 9. Um, and I guess sometimes it's called the Step 10, 11 and 12, or the maintenance steps. So for me, um, Step 10 is an important step to keep growing um, and keep on improving, I guess, um, I guess improving my life and my um, mental and emotional health. Um, and I need to do it um, on a daily basis. So um, just a little bit about my story. So um, I came into AA in 2006 and have been sober since. So I'm um, almost 10 years sober, a day at a time. And um, when I came into AA, I was um, I was sick and sad and pretty sorry for myself and I cried a lot. And, um, you know, but I didn't think that I was really... You know, I had in my mind, oh, I'm really not that bad. And um, and then I'd hear people share stories and i think, well, you know, and I'd do that comparison, I'm not that bad. And, um, you know, but for me, I had chronic depression and um, and a lot of that suicidal ideation and, um, you know, and that stuck with me for a few years in sobriety as well. But, um, yeah, so for me, um, as I started working the steps, then it was started, you know, I guess um, as happens to most people, you know, you're revealed to yourself through the steps and particularly through step four, um, you know, and I started to discover myself and um, and I remember initially being asked to write down my resentments and walking away thinking in my head, um, I don't think I've got any resentments and then um, and I had a chat to my sponsor about it and then, you know, by the time I'd finished writing down my um, resentment list, I had about 20 pages. So um, <laughs> I, had a, I had a few resentments. Um, and the beautiful thing is about step four is I learned how, you know, to... Um, to look at myself through, you know, what are my character defects, what sort of instincts are driving some of the behaviour that have come up around looking at my fears and my resentments and my sexual inventory. And um, and so for me, you know, I, I, having gone through that process, then step 10 for me now is, you know, that's the that's the daily action of the program. So I need to still, um, I still need to look for selfishness, dishonesty, resentments um, and fear. And when they crop up in my life and I ask God to remove them, not always straight away. Um, it depends on, you know, if I'm enjoying that defect at the time or not. So, um, yeah, so for me, um, before I came into AA, I'd been, um, I'd gone from being, as a teenager when I drank, um, I'd always been a problematic drinker and um, problems followed when I drank. And um, so I had, you know, at 16 I had a head-on car accident into a tree and because and I, I thought it was a really good idea to get into a car with a drunk driver after I'd been drinking and um, at the age of 19 um, I was out with a bunch of friends from university and um, and I remember at the age of 19 I knew I was a blackout drinker I didn't know what that meant I knew that it was scary and uh, one night I went out and um, we were drinking a lot and I was just trying to hold on, trying to hold on so I wouldn't black out but I really wanted, we had all this free alcohol and I just wanted to keep drinking more and 
and I did blackout and that night I actually um, walked out in front of a car in a blackout and was hit and um, was quite severely injured and some of my friends accepted my death that night on the footpath and um, you know and obviously I got through that because I'm still here today and um, walking and talking and able to move you know and I'm really really blessed for that but um, for me that was the first time that I was asked by someone a medical professional you know did I think I had a problem with alcohol and um, and I looked around me and I thought I thought about all the other people that drank around me as well and I just thought, you know, no, I think, I think I'm okay, you know, isn't this what everyone does? And, and so then I continued into my 20s um, and I kept stopping drinking because stuff would happen every time I drank, you know, I'd fall over and I'd ruin clothes, um, I'd just do the horrible things like end up in people's places, I don't know who they are, wake up beside people, you don't know their name, um, all those horrible things that happen to you when you're an alcoholic woman and... Um, you know, for me, I'd go, all right, I'm never going to drink again, and I'd stop for a little while, or I'd stop for a couple of weeks, and then I'd think, oh, I'm going to be all right again. And I just went through that cycle for about 10 years, and um, and then a big incident happened again um, in my late 20s, uh, and it was in a workplace, and I was hospitalised from hitting my head in a pub, and uh, I was with a whole lot of work colleagues, and, um, and you know, and that was torturous, because I was the manager of this group of people, and... Um, and not one of them said anything to me on the Monday morning, you know, about me getting taken out of the pub in an ambulance. <laughs> you know, I was mortified. And, and at that time, for some reason, I had the ability to go and talk to them individually and apologise for my behaviour. And, and some of them actually thought it was quite funny and they thought it was great that I was so relaxed and all this stuff. Anyway, skewed thinking. But, um, you know, for me, after that, after that incident, that was enough to stop me drinking for about a year. And then someone came up to me and said, oh, someone said, well, you haven't been drinking for a while, so maybe you should be able to drink again. And I was like a green light, you know, to an alcoholic. I didn't know I was an alcoholic at the time. I just knew that when I drank, I had a problem. And um, so I started drinking again. And, um, and that followed another four years of, um, of drinking. And I started to drink on my own and I started to get sneaky and I stopped going out because I didn't know what would happen to me. I couldn't guarantee how I'd get home or if I'd get home or who I'd be with by the end of the night. So um, I decided that drinking on my couch alone by myself and smoking ciggies, writing in my journal to try and work out, solve all the problems of my life, um, you know, I thought that was the best way to treat it. And um, so what happened quickly for me, I went from being a very social person and kind of connected to a very antisocial person and, um, and really started to isolate and had really really deep loneliness and um and, you know I really spiraled downwards from there and got chronic ended up with chronic depression and yeah so for me um I came into the program and um you know and quickly I turned around and I started going in the other direction and then it plateaued out for a bit but um you know for me um coming back to step 10 it's really important that um that I'm able to see my um behaviour and able to see you know what led me to drink and what you know put me in situations where um you know where I start getting anxious or I start getting uncomfortable because I've been such an outgoing person you know I guess as a child right through to my 20s um you know I didn't know that I actually had anxiety and I'm an anxious person and in situations you know some of these terrible you know really kind of antisocial behaviours come out when I'm feeling anxious so for me you know it's a real blessing to be able to through working the steps, you know, to be able to become aware of that. And now in my, when I'm doing my step 10, I notice now when I'm anxious in a situation. Um, for me, um, 
Also being able to do step 10 on a daily basis means that I don't have this massive backlog of, um, you know, of stuff that I need to go through and clear out again. And, um, yeah, and I guess, um, I guess ways that step 10 has worked in my life. Um, I find um, when I'm in the most pain, when I'm most unaccepting of a situation that I don't want to have occurred or, you know, I don't wish that it hadn't happened or... Um, you know, for me that it's called, you know, the spiritual axiom um, of, you know, not of non-acceptance. And, um, and um, Fergus mentioned as well earlier that, you know, that 417 um, reading in the big book around, you know, and acceptance is the answer to all my problems. And that is something that I need to remember every day and, and bringing that, you know, the serenity prayer in as well um, is also really helpful in that situation. For me... Um, I guess other areas for me, self pity has been um, self pity has been a major part of my, I guess um, my, I guess uh, sinking into alcoholism and also then coming out of alcoholism or restarting to come into recovery and um, self pity has always been a really big feature of that and um, and for me, um, what's happened is the longer that I've been sober and the longer that I continue to work the steps that my tolerance for when I get in self-pity is um, much smaller and I feel actually physically feel uncomfortable um, and I can't sit in it for that long and I feel my bottom lip drop <laughs> and I feel, you know, a certain physical behaviours that come around me when I get into that self, self-pity state and it's not that I don't get into it because I do but I, I just my tolerance for sitting in it is, uh, is a lot more limited and particularly if I'm on my own, in my own space and I start getting self-pity, I actually now think, oh, I'll just go for a walk or, you know, I just think, oh, I can't be, it's just an uncomfortable feeling whereas, you know, in early recovery and before I got sober, like sitting in self-pity, I could, I kind of had some weird, I kind of liked that sort of state of wallowing in that poor me state and, um, you know, and that's not helpful for anyone and uh, certainly doesn't attract friends around you. So, um, you know, so for me that, that self-pity has been a really big one for me to, to continue to work on. Um, it just helps me grow, you know, become emotionally sober as well. Um, I guess the other ones are resentment for me is a, is a big one and um, I like to share that um, whilst I get resentments every day and particularly in the workplace, they still come up for me. I try and, um, I try and nail them on the head and I look at, you know, what, what's coming up for me here when I don't like this particular boss or the way that this particular person I'm trying to deal with is dealing with me and... Um, you know, and I've got to just keep bringing it back to myself, bringing it back to myself. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it comes back to me and have my reaction to life. And um, in that passage, that 417 passage that talks about acceptance, you know, it always it tells you there that, um, you know, the problem is in with me, within me. And my whole drinking in my life beforehand, I always, the problem was always you guys or anyone else or the building or whatever, but it was never within me. And, you know, and that's a different way of thinking today. And I'm able to get to that a lot quicker. Um, you know, instead of sitting in the, you know, just sit in the pain of being, you know, in lack of acceptance. And um, so for me, um, I recently left a, a I recently left a workplace and um and I did a lot of inventory around that. So I do a spot check inventory, um, just on a daily basis. Or when something comes up, then I make sure that I quickly apologise for it. Or I might you know take a few hours to you know and then I start feeling you know I get it in my gut you know that this doesn't feel this doesn't sit right with me. I need to make an apology and um so um 
recently in a workplace, um, I I had an issue with um, as she was a very senior manager and. Um, Anyway, I think my ego came out and her ego came out and, um, you know, and it wasn't appropriate for me to do anything. You know, I'm, I'm doing a contract role there. It really just shouldn't matter. And um, anyway, my ego popped out and, um, and I got myself into a situation where that general manager then made a complaint about me and um, which is, you know, just, I just shouldn't have behaved that way. But um, I guess for me, you know, I just... I sat for a day at work and stewed on it and in my gut and then I got teary and I had all... But it was all this, my own dialogue going in my own head and, you know, I hadn't picked up the tools. And until... And then as soon as I picked up the tools of the program, what do I need to do? What is my part in it? And at first I was like, there is no part. She's all wrong, you know, and I'm still you know, nearly 10 years sober and I'm still thinking, this person's wrong. And and they thought, no, no, I know that the program tells me that if, if I am disturbed, there is something wrong with me. So I was like, okay, what did I do, what did I do? Okay, and then I found my, you know, I picked my part in it and that was, um, you know, actually probably in my own mind thinking that I'm better than this person, which is, you know, another load of crap, but that was the ego coming out. And, um, and then I still felt uncomfortable and then I thought, well, what else do I need to do? Oh, okay, I need to be willing would, am I willing to make amends to this woman? Because I couldn't just go up to her and try and make amends now because I think that wouldn't have... Um, it just wouldn't have worked and, yeah, that would have probably made things worse. But, um, but I thought, am I willing? Am I absolutely willing to apologise for my part in it and what my part is? And eventually, after about half an hour, I thought, yep, I am. And then, bang, that gut went, everything went, and I was like, right, now I'm in a better frame of mind. I got on with my work. And I dropped it, you know. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how the program works for me today. Um, for me as well, I, um, I had a resentment um, against a, a friend that had kind of come into the group that I was hanging out with. And, um, and I found this person obnoxious. I found this person, they swore all the time, they told really dirty jokes, they thought it was hilarious, and it just offended me. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I just thought just could not bear to be around this person and how dare she come into our group and try and take over and she's taking over the, you know, the love of the friend that I wanted to have all of their attention and, you know, all of, this, all of my character defects were out on display and, um, and for me I thought, what does the program tell me to do? It asked me to pray for this person and I was like, oh, it's just like chips getting stuck in your throat. <laughs> I was like... I can't deal with this and I thought but I want to I don't want to lose the friendship of you know the other friend um and so I just started praying for this person and um I don't know why I'm getting emotional but this is how the program works I guess I pray for that woman for about for about a week and um I pray that she had everything that I ever wanted for myself and um and all of that sort of stuff. And I did it on a daily basis. So every time that resentment came up and I'd start, you know, chewing on it, uh, I'd think, oh, I need to pray for her. So I'd, you know, I'd pray for her. And then um, within a couple of weeks, um, we caught up with her again and we're out, we're having coffees with friends. And I saw her and I thought, right, this is my opportunity to be, you know, of love and service. And, um, and yeah, and I was able to give her a hug and actually felt genuine love for her. And now she's a good friend of mine and it's so bizarre. Like, I just don't know. That's the magic of the program. And, um, and it also tells us in, you know, in step 10 in the big book, it tells us at the end of the paragraph, you know, 
tolerance and love is our code and, and that's what I need to practice being. And I'm so not, I'm nowhere near perfect and I know now I don't actually have to perfect it, which is a relief, but, you know, but I'm on the path. And I'm willing to do the work. Um, and, you know, some days I'm more willing than others, but, um, you know, but I have that base willingness. And, um, and for me, when I get stuck on stuff or I get in resentment or I get in fear and those sort of things, it's, you know, becoming willing. All I need to is just become willing to be willing, you know. I don't even have to do an action, you know. I just have to become willing. Am I willing to be a bit different? Um, you know, and so for me, this step 10 is where I grow and... Um, and get you know and, and get the growth and I guess so I can move forward in my life and, and become you know a little bit more free um, so anyway um, I think I'll leave it at that so thanks for listening information about the annual Melbourne AA steps weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au thanks for letting us share